This week on The Outlaw Lawyer, Josh and Joe take a look at some trials and national news and answer important, earth-shattering legal questions such as, has Josh ever seen a movie starring Johnny Depp? Didn't everyone's high school coach pray before and after games? Will we ever stop talking about mask mandates? That's all coming up on The Outlaw Lawyer. And now, Outlaw Lawyer. Welcome into the Outlaw Lawyers, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, managing partners at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm, practicing attorneys here in the great state of North Carolina, and offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verita, and Gastonia. And we talk legalese each and every week. We have some fun with you. I'm Morgan Patrick, consumer advocate. If you've got a legal situation you're dealing with and you've got questions, I've got a phone number for you, 800-659-1186. That's 800 800- 659-1186 and just leave your contact information briefly what the call's about an attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be in touch and you can always email your questions to the show and we'll use them and answer those on future programs questions at theoutlawlawyer.com that's questions at theoutlawlawyer.com and the website theoutlawlawyer.com visit and have some fun there as well guys welcome into the program this week hope you had a great week Morgan, uh, so far so good. I um, I'm remoting in this morning, so we're not in studio. So I'm remoting in. So I'm sitting on the third uh, the third floor of the Garner office, uh, overlooking Highway 70, with my trusty cup of coffee, uh, spurring me on to action today. Uh, Joseph, how are you? Hey, hey, Josh and Morgan, I'm doing good. I'm I'm in our uh, the second story of our Clayton office because we don't have three stories here. <laughs> um, I do have infinitely better uh, out of my window scenery than you, Josh. Uh, I, you know, nothing against Highway 70 and, and looking out and seeing it, but I've got the beautiful, beautiful main street of downtown Clayton, a historic downtown. Uh, and, and I actually get to look right out on the, the, the grassy area where all the, the concerts are held for the town. So Great scenery, man. Much better than a uh, a, a lifeless highway with cars right. running down it. You know, I picture your offices similar to what Coach K has had to deal with his entire time at Duke, where they erected the tower behind Cameron Indoor, and the top two floors are Coach K's floors, or at least they were. Uh, and then, you know, the fourth floor was women's basketball. The third floor was uh, the athletic director and and uh, you know, the athletic director's assistant. And then the Hall of Fame Museum is on that ground floor. Uh, and you have to be thumbprinted elevator in. So you cannot get up there unless you have, uh, you know, a print scan. So I'm assuming that the offices uh, where both Josh and Joe, where you are located, have that kind of security and, and that kind of museum-type feel when it comes to law. We've got the security for sure. It's not high tech. It, there's no thumbprint scanner, but I have a very nice lady who sits at the front desk and she'll tackle you if you try to come up the <laughs> stairs to see me. Yeah, you got uh, our, our uh, here in Garner, our, our second story, uh, the staircase that gets you to the third story is, is very well hidden. It's like a maze. So I don't have anybody who'll tackle you, but you probably won't find it if someone doesn't show it. <laughs> you to just you. get so that's lost. what I got going for me. I used to be a man of the people and I'd, I'd, I'd you know, when I first, when I got my start, I was, you know, I was everything. I was my own receptionist, and I sat on the f- ground floor. People would come in, they talked to me. I did that for a long time, um, but as I, 
you know, we, we started this radio show. That was really the thing, man. Turned me into uh, just t- too much of a, a big shot now. So, you can't, so many screaming you fans. Me. I mean, you yeah, can't concentrate. I mean, you I know. have to put a hoodie on and I still wear a mask, even though there's no mandate just to, to hide my identity. The, uh, the Hurricanes, uh, they clinched, right? So we are we got one more game left this season. Uh, so it was that Thursday night. So we're in the studio Wednesday morning. So I think Thursday night's the last game of the season, and then we're, uh, we're in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, division champs are uh, going to be one of the top seeds in the Eastern Conference. Uh, it's a very, very talented field. Uh, I know uh, Canes fans are excited. They should be. Uh, hey, we're excited. I mean, they, uh, they've played some, some great hockey, and uh, as far as we know, pretty healthy. Uh, going into uh, postseason play, so we'll see how it goes. You know, you can look at a lot of things, you know, strategically and like front office moves and things like that 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 put the Canes in this position. And and, and you'd have a good point, but I gotta say, I think it's just our attendance at some of these games, Josh, that's really pushed the Canes forward. Good vibes. Uh, that that's exactly. We give them fantastic, and the, and it's funny because I feel like they probably lost the majority of games that we've been there, which is crazy because they've been very good this year. Um, but overall, I'm going to say that attendance by, by me and you, Josh, has really pushed this team to another level. Yeah, I feel like the last four or five, we go to about half, we end up at about half the home games between the both of us. And I feel like the last couple I've seen have been, uh, I saw them beat the Sabres because that's the game where they broke a stick and the stick, <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw this, but the, they broke a stick during play and the stick, half the stick went flying up to like the, the tell, you know, what's the teletron or whatever it is. Yeah. The jumbotron. But everybody just watched it. Go, like everybody got silent and just watched it go all the way up and all the way back down. But besides that game, I haven't seen a lot of wins. So, uh, but anyway, I guess it doesn't matter. Right. They did what they, they did what they had to do. Yeah. They're in the post. And because obviously Josh, you're a bad luck charm. You can come to the game, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, this week, their final regular season home game on Thursday, obviously this, you know, our show is going to air on, on the weekend, but, uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. And then I get, uh, you know, we always like to talk about sports just a little bit to get us warmed up, to get the legal juices flowing. But, uh, I'm about tired of uh, Carolina and Duke having all this good news and basketball and, and state, you know, it's bad enough. We had to get through the season. What's and the Duke like, good news? I haven't heard any Duke good news. Well, I, I mean, no news, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, Duke, Duke had Duke's uh, Jeremy Roach is coming back to Duke. That's that's big. That'll be the first time that Duke has had a, a good upperclassman point guard in in quite some time. Um, but yeah, that's you're you're right. You know, that's the thing. You know, the, the Duke. You can expect virtually every freshman that they bring in now to to move on early um and that's just you know it'll be interesting to see if if john shire changes the approach at all and and how he attacks the transfer portal you know duke kind of some of this news kind of broke a little bit later so i don't know there's i don't know what's left in the transfer portal for duke to go after i know they just got a, a transfer from harvard I think that was just yesterday they, they announced that. Well, but, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Joe. I think Duke has the number one recruiting class coming in. They do. They've got a, they've got a very good recruiting class. I don't know that it's their best ever, but it's up there. It's top three recruiting classes that they've ever had. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's a dangerous game, man. You never know how that's going to pan out. And, uh, you know, it panned out pretty well for them last year, but and, and it panned out pretty well for them in 2019. But mm-hmm. both of those years they had kind of a transcendent mm-hmm. – 
basically one of the best players in the country coming in out of the gate. And sure. Their, their guys coming in are very good, highly touted, highly rated. Yeah. Uh, but, but you never know how they're going to, how that's going to translate. Yeah. I mean, uh, hopefully I, it translates very well. Yeah. I was just, last thing I'm going to say, guys, you can get into your discussion. I, I just, I'm not shocked that uh, the Duke freshman decided to go. And, and obviously I think I'm, I'm with everybody else. It, it looked like they were going to do that. What I am shocked uh, with is that Baycott decided to come back. Uh, well, his his stock, Carolina man. That's the, that's his the, stock has never. It will never be higher than it was at the end of this season. I mean, he was Mister Double Double. I mean, the NBA's drooling over this kid. I'm going to come back for one more year, and he's risking. He's risking a lot. I, I admire him, uh, but you know, in this in this game with injuries, uh, that's and he's not getting paid, uh, and so he's uh, he's going to play one more year. So I, I just find that I was more shocked by that than than the Duke players leaving. Well, yeah, Carolina does that better right? than any maybe yeah. any college on earth. Yeah, I mean he'll he'll get he'll get some kind of, you know, some kind of endorsement deal, I'm sure, but uh, it's not going to be the kind of money he would make if he is a a lottery pick and he is a rebounding machine. He can play defense, he can block shots, and in the NBA, that's what they want. And uh, but he but he plays at Carolina, man. So he's coming back. That's what they do. Carolina. They have more high major five star top twenty five type recruits that will return for multiple years. It's an amazing thing. God bless him. Training table, training, training table food over there must be pretty good. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. Guess. Well, you see, and then you see that uh, uh, another thing that was shocking. You know, Oscar Shibway, who was player of the year, national player of the year, coming back, and I think I saw that he's something like a two million dollar NIL deal, something along those lines. So I think that the, the NIL is really going to change the game as far as people who are borderline lottery picks or, you know, a little bit iffy, you're going to see more of those guys come back now that they can be compensated for that final year. I think you're right. All right, guys. Well, you never know it listening to the first uh, five or so minutes of the show, but we actually do talk about legal things. So the outlaw lawyer here, one of the things that we like to do from time to time is take a look at trials that are in the national news and kind of, kind of take a look at them just, just like an attorney would. And uh, so I've, I've got uh, three uh, trials here recently that made the national news that we're going to talk about. The first one uh, is going to be the Johnny Depp. I don't know if you would call it the Johnny Depp case or the Amber Heard case. Uh, we're going to go and call it the Johnny a, Depp case. Yeah, that's what I would say. But um, anyway, there's a defamation trial in Virginia that is uh, taking over the headlines, it seems, every day uh, here for the past uh week or so and so i figured we'd take a minute to talk about that and libel and slander and, and defamation and uh uh that kind of thing so we're going to take a look at that and then um the other case that i've seen the most uh analysts of uh, analysis of is the kennedy v bremerton school district case before the supreme court that is about the football coach praying after games um and man nothing makes people more <laughs> riled up no matter no matter what side you're on man a good coach praying in school case uh those really get everybody uh worked up on on either side and so that's uh that was at oral arguments earlier this week i think so that one's been getting a lot of attention so i figure we can spend some time on that and finally we had the mask the cdc mask mandate on public transportation uh finally got struck down uh, in Florida a week or two ago, and we haven't we haven't all been together since that happened. But I figured that's definitely worth uh, talking about because that decision is getting appealed. Joseph, anything I missed there? Those are three big cases. 
No, I think you got them all, man. And it's good that we get we get to go back and talk about COVID. I feel like we used to be like a COVID exclusive type of show. We talk about it every week in some fashion. So, um, yeah, this is it's 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 I think you hit every single topic and I think you, you got some good ones, man. You put this together. I always appreciate the hard legwork that you do in preparing for the show because I do so little of it. So thank you. (laughs) The Outlaw Lawyers, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer. Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm is where you can find them during the week. They are the managing partners there. They're practicing attorneys here in North Carolina. They have offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, and Gastonia. And we will talk more about the Johnny Depp heard defamation trial Uh, that's coming up in our next portion of the program if you've got a legal situation that you're dealing with and you've got questions you can get some answers here's the number 800-659-1186 leave your contact information uh, and briefly what the call is about again that's 800-659-1186 an attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will return your call you can also email your questions to the program we'll use those answer those on future programs it's questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. And again, a great resource is the website, theoutlawlawyer.com. We're back with more right after this. into the Outlaw Lawyers. Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, your hosts, practicing attorneys, managing partners at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm. And again, practicing attorneys here in North Carolina. Offices practically everywhere. Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, and Gastonia. If you've got a legal situation you're dealing with, you've got questions, we've got a phone number for you so you can get some answers. Here it is, 800-659-1186. That's 800 800- 659-1186. Leave your contact information. Briefly what the call's about. An attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be in touch. And you can always email your questions to the program, questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. Gentlemen, take it away. So, Joe, this this uh, the case we got, we're going to talk about now is Johnny Depp, Amber Heard, defamation trial. So I always like to kind of set the stage so we know, I think at the court, a lot of times, the court, I think the media a lot of times will report on these court cases and they don't lead with, all right, where is this being tried? Is this federal or state? You know, what's what's going on here? And so this is a state court case in Virginia between Depp and Heard, who were, were married and were divorced. Is that right? Does that sound right, Joe? Yeah, what, quite the quite the tumultuous, <laughs> quite the tumultuous marriage. And uh you know, this is it's a very it's a very interesting case. It's it's one of those things where, you know, if this was just regular people, you never hear about this. This isn't an outcome that affects really anybody but but these two people. There's no great legal precedent that's that's at that issue here. This isn't going to change the course of history. But it's just an interesting thing because it's two two people that are in the public eye. It's a case that, you know, you it, it kind of got publicized before it even became a case because you heard you you heard the allegations from from both sides in the news and the media over time, and it was just one of those very interesting things. And in the case of Johnny Depp, you had potentially, I'd say he was one of the biggest, if not the biggest, actor in the game for a long period of time. And in many ways, his his career just kind of tanked in in a lot of ways over the allegations of Amber Heard and the things that are at issue in this trial. So, very interesting case, and it's something that's really kind of permeated social media you've seen it a lot especially recently in the last week or so because it's it's kind of being live streamed the trial is so you've seen a lot of 
of, of, of video clips and, and little short clips, just taking things and, and putting them out there in the media. So it's just been a very interesting thing that we've kind of had a window into. Yeah, this is. I think I think it's important that you, that you said that this is uh, not an important case, right? In the <laughs> in the in the legal world, this case is just another case, and the only reason we even know about it is because both of the people uh, in it are are famous, and um, I can't believe uh, that it's gone to trial. You know, usually uh, people, famous or not, you know, usually these kind of cases are they're he said she said cases. This is. Uh, small claims court. This is judge Wapner stuff. You know, this is, uh, you know, usually you don't want your dirty laundry aired out in public. And so these cases rarely ever go to trial. Um, because even the party that brings it is just kind of hoping to work something out, maybe settle it. Like, I don't think anyone intends to go in and have all your, your alcohol abuse, drug abuse, fights with your spouse, like just poured over, uh, by the national media. So the fact that this is even being tried is just bananas to me because, uh, you know, defamation, libel, slander, these, these type of lawsuits are, are hard to win. We've talked about a couple uh, on the outlaw lawyer in the past, but these are hard. These are hard cases to win. They're very expensive to litigate and your dirty laundry gets gets aired and uh, it doesn't sound like they have any any problems. This is. Uh, well, I tell the, you one, I, I'm going to speculate because because I don't know this for a fact. If you look at it, especially in Johnny Depp's case, if you look at what what these allegations from Amber Heard, you know, what what kind of transpired in his career, what a toll that it took on him, um, you know, I almost would speculate that he he's happy for this to go to trial and and to put a lot of this stuff out there, because if you've watched his testimony, he seems very comfortable with a lot of the dirty laundry aspects, like his drug use. I think he kind of is comfortable with who he is and he's, he's kind of owned that. Um, and I think it's, it's more for him. I almost feel like he he's happy to have a lot of this heard and to kind of clear the air through testimony of himself and other individuals and kind of put all this out there into the, the public eye and, and a more, you know, where it's all fleshed out and you get context and you can hear a lot of these things. I think he's almost happy to have a lot of this heard and seen because I think if you look at it, at least from a public perception, what I've gathered looking at that is it seems like the public is, is kind of looking at him a lot more favorably the more that comes out of this. What's, you know, so it was, I had to read, I didn't actually know what started this case. You know, I've seen it in the news, but I haven't paid a lot of attention to it. So I actually had to look at what started. And so Amber Heard, uh, was approached by it sounds like maybe a nonprofit that represents um, or tries to get the word out about domestic abuse, spousal abuse, and encouraged her to write this op-ed piece that was published in the Washington Post. I don't ever read the Washington Post; it got bought by Amazon, right? And I haven't—I don't think I've read it since then. But um, and it didn't mention Johnny Depp by name, but talked about in the past couple of years how she suffered this abuse. So it implied that he abused her. And that's where the and he so he filed a defamation action, and in doing so, his attorneys released some some statements from her that she thought defamed her. So she filed a counter a counterclaim for defamation. So we got a double defamation lawsuit. And you don't uh, always get again, that double defamation, man. That's a that's a that is a a rare one. But you know whatever, and I, I can't imagine what these attorneys are charging uh, for this case. And they, you know whatever outcome there is, I'm sure the other party is going to appeal. Right? It's a heated case. Um, jury is going to come back. There's going to be an avenue for appeal. So this one's probably going to get appealed no matter, no matter what. 
I was trying to think, what was the last? So she was what? She was in Aquaman. Is that what she's famous for? Aquaman? Uh, man, I don't know that I'd say she's famous for Aquaman. The first movie that I, I'm not a scholar on Amber Heard, but the, the first movie that I remember Amber Heard being in was uh, Pineapple Express. That's the first movie I remember her oh. being in. All right. I am, I'm doing some research while you guys discuss. Go ahead. I, I have seen Pineapple Express and enjoyed that movie. Yeah, that was kind of her break. In my opinion, that was her breakout role. She was the the young high school girlfriend of Seth Rogen's character. Mm. So she was she was in Pineapple Express. She was in a few things after that, but then yeah, Aquaman I would say probably Aquaman was was most likely her 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 biggest role that I can recall. All right. So let me uh, throw some at you. Uh, she got into the biz first thing that we see, 2004, Jack and Bobby. She played Liz. She was also in Friday Night Lights. Uh, let's ah, okay, see. that makes that's that's something. Friday uh, Night Lights, the TV show. I'm assuming. Correct. Actual, okay, correct. Yeah. I'm well. I'm assuming that uh, that might be they actually had. The yeah, movie I think that's too. it. I think that makes more sense. Yeah, and then uh, let's see, The Mountain, uh, The OC. Uh, let's see, Alpha Dog. Uh, Criminal Minds TV series she has been in. Okay, okay. These are all. This all makes sense. But I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that that first big thing was probably that Pineapple Express. That's what I'm gonna say. All right. Let's see. Californication. She was in that series. Okay. Um, let's okay. see. Yeah, a lot of these I haven't seen. You haven't seen anything, Josh. This is this is a me and Morgan talk. <laughs> this isn't for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am looking. When did Pineapple Express come out? I'm going to say 2009, 8? Right. Aquaman was 2018. Uh, she has been in a couple of those. Actually, 2008 one, was Pineapple Express. Yeah, Aquaman and The Lost Kingdom is in post-production, so it has not been released. And they kept her, you know, there was some speculation she was going to get removed from that because there was, you know, if you, if you looked at how this played out, her, her op-eds published, there's a lot of backlash against Johnny Depp. Um, he, his career takes a big hit. And then at, gradually it started to come out that it, it, you know, his allegations that she was actually physically abusive towards him and, and a lot of anecdotal things. You hear the story, like one of the wildest things is you hear the story of her eating. A, and this is all alleged in, in the testimony <laughs> that she ate a cheesy Gordita crunch and then uh, defecated in his bed. That was one of the things that uh, what? that was one of the things that was alleged. Um <laughs> There's some wild Look, man, stuff, if that's, man. If that's if that's true, oh. if that if that comes out to be true, and I'm sure she'll deny it. I don't know how you prove it, but if that was true, you should be de facto strict liability crazy, right? <laughs> if that if you did that, yeah, doing pooping in a bed, man, that's one thing. But to take that extra step to eat the cheesy gordita crunch beforehand, <laughs> that's just a that's a that's like first degree bed pooping right there. That's premeditated. I'm gonna get uh, Taco Bell needs to file in as a third party for this definitely like triple defamation. <laughs> no man, because because truth is an is a defense to defamation, and I think they could call thousands of witnesses uh, that have eaten cheesy gordita crunches or any Taco Bell food that could testify that uh, hey. it'll cause you some trouble, man. Defamation by defecation. I knew it was coming. <laughs> that's a that's a legal. Hey, this term is a serious. This is we're making light of this, but this is. It's an interesting thing, and, and one of the reasons why it's interesting is, is one, you've got both parties alleging this abuse, but uh, it, it's kind of a non-traditional thing, and, and it's something that you don't see a lot of where you've got a man that's, that's alleging abuse. And one of, the things, one of the things that's been at issue here, and it was actually a soundbite that was played, 
where where you have misheard basically uh, on on audio stating, you know, go ahead, Johnny, and, and tell everyone that you were a man that was abused and and basically kind of berating him and belittling him and essentially saying that no one's going to believe him if he does this. Um, and that was kind of what his that was actually what his his team ended with when they ended his testimony. They played that clip and he was basically like, yeah, you know, yes, I am. This did happen to me. So, um, well, I know I know it's tough to predict, but do you guys have predictions on how this may turn out. Oh, man. I think my only prediction is that it won't be over. Right. Whatever the jury finds, I think it's I think it's getting appealed. And, and I think we'll that's safe. And, and again, I'm going to uh, going back to to kind of the motivation. I don't know that Johnny Depp, you know, it's, it's, it's said that he didn't have a prenup when he, he married this, this seemingly very well balanced and calm and not crazy at all lady. <laughs> and, uh, I, I, I think he probably lost a ton of money in the fallout from that in the divorce, but this is a guy who was, who was wealthy beyond anything we can understand. So I, I think he's going to be okay. Even though his career took a hit, I think he's going to be just fine. I don't know that there's really monetary motivation for him. I'm sure he wouldn't be upset with some kind of monetary reward. But I think more than anything, just getting all this information out into the public eye and kind of getting him some public vindication is is really the reward for him in a lot of ways. What's the last thing he was in? Was it Pirates of the Caribbean? Is that the last uh, thing? The, 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 the bad new Harry Potter movies. He was he was in those. Oh, and I haven't they, seen. They, they, they recast him. They put the guy... Uh, What's that guy? The guy who played uh, Hannibal in the Hannibal TV show? Is it Mads Mickelson? Is that mm. the guy's name? Not up on that series, no. Mm. No, it's a terror because it's bad. I no, think okay. it's bad. I think it's it's. I think it's really. What bad, was the last actually. good thing he did? Uh, probably. Uh, probably. Uh, you know what? We do research on this show, so I I haven't I haven't Pirates seen Pirates of the Caribbean, a certified classic, and they they kind of took a dive sort of in quality as it continued. You know started out hot and still decent enjoyable movies but i you know they they suffered in quality the longer it went on but it looks like uh the last good thing he was in eh, it's tough to say man it's tough well, to i think say, the man. only johnny depp movie i've seen from beginning to end was uh edward scissorhands and i saw it like 15 years after it came out yeah yeah edward scissorhands you know your kids never had you watch the the newer charlie and the chocolate factory no we boycotted it it didn't look uh, good no, uh, no fear and loathing in Las Vegas. Uh, I read the book. No, Donnie Brasco. No, I haven't seen it. Nightmare on Elm What's Street, nineteen eighty four. Hold on, yeah, which one Nightmare was that? On Elm Street. You've yeah. seen Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, I've, the original, nineteen eighty four. Yeah, well, he was in that. Yes. Yeah. No, I guess I he was. Saw one, that. He was one of the boyfriends that that, that bought it. Yeah. yeah, he got. Uh, he gets got. He was in Platoon. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I remember him now. He was in Platoon. He had a, a, a robust career, and he became genuinely. I mean, it was really that Pirates of the Caribbean that did it. But he's, like I said, one of the biggest stars. Period. You know? And he took a lot of risks too. I mean, uh, what's eating Gilbert Grape? Um, he also did Ed Wood, which was just you know absolutely crushed. But a lot of people liked it. I mean, he's done he's done some some interesting work. Well, I'm gonna keep following this case. I've been I've been following it in the New York Times. I've been trying to uh, not kind of look at the national media's 30 second take on it. I've been the New York times has done a really good job of following this from beginning to end. So I'll keep looking at it. Is that our official prediction? It doesn't matter who wins. It's getting appealed. I think yeah. that's going to be, an yeah, official... it's getting appealed. And, and just as a note on his, his net worth, it looks like they've got his current net worth at one fifty million. 
uh, he it it was previously it looks like around seven eight hundred million. And, uh, so that shows you what the the allegations plus the divorce kind of did to him there. Man. The Outlaw Liars, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer. You can find them at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm. They're the managing partners there. And again, to remind you, practicing attorneys here in North Carolina. Offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, and Gastonia. If you've got your own legal situation that you're going through and you've got some questions, we've got a phone number for you, 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. Just leave your contact information, briefly what the call's about, and an attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be in touch. And you can email your questions. Questions to the program, questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. We'll answer those on a future program. And please check out the website, theoutlawlawyer.com. So Johnny Depp and uh, Amber Heard, that defamation trial, we've talked about that. And coming up, it'll be Kennedy versus Bremerton School District. That's all next on The Outlaw Lawyer. The Outlaw Lawyers, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, managing partners at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm, offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, and Gastonia. I'm Morgan Patrick, consumer advocate. We talk legalese every single week. And folks, there's going to be an opportunity. If you've got a legal situation you're going through and you've got your own set of questions, you can call this number 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. Leave your contact information briefly, what the call's about, and an attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be in touch. And you can always email your questions to this program. We'll answer them on the air, future programs, obviously. Questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. Gentlemen, what's up next? All right, Morgan, we've got a big U.S. Supreme Court case has been in the news quite a bit uh, everywhere, everywhere I look. ESPN, because there's a sports angle, was reporting on it the other day. Uh, but everywhere I look, everything I read, Kennedy v. Bremerton School District had oral arguments in front of the Supreme Court. And this is the one where the coach, uh, I think Joe Kennedy, Joseph Kennedy is his name, um, praying after games. Uh and then we'll talk about it because this is, this is a weird case because usually when things get to the Supreme Court, they've been litigated ad nauseum. And when it gets to the Supreme Court, there's a, a factual record. Everybody has finally agreed on kind of what happened. A lot of times at the trial court, the first level, you know, the plaintiff has their version of the facts. The defendant's like, no, that's not what happened. This is what happened. And that gets litigated and appealed. And so when, when you get to the Supreme Court, everybody's agreed on some version of the facts. And so the Supreme court is just answering quite legal questions, questions about the law. What tests do we apply here? Is this protected under the constitution? Did someone act uh, unconstitutional? You know, so they're looking at legal things. And so this case, I don't know that both sides agree on the facts. That was the biggest takeaway for me is uh, the Supreme court's kind of having, having to decide what actually uh, happened here, but it seems like the majority of, um, it seems like what what happened is we've got a, a high school coach, and after games, win or lose, he would go uh, kind of maybe to the fifty yard line out on the field. Uh, he would get down on one knee and he'd pray out loud for ten or ten or fifteen seconds, just a quick, you know, glory all glory goes to God kind of thing. And this was real important to him. And apparently, he had been doing it for years and years and years. Uh, Joe, uh, I know I did not play high school football. Uh, Joe, you did play high school football, right? 
I, I did play high school football several several years of it, several glorious years of it. Um, <laughs> and uh, and and you know, I played high school football at Clayton High School for the the uh, I would say local legend of a coach, uh, Gary Fowler. Very old school, very old school guy, very old school coach um, in Johnston County. Uh, so you can imagine, we 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 would we absolutely we would pray before every single game and after every single game, and uh, we actually had like a chap a team chaplain that would uh, would do that for us. But that was a big part of it, you know. That was a big part of it, and um, you know, it was never made a huge issue. It was not something that that was made a big deal. It was not something that was really forced upon people, but. Uh, you know, everyone participated for the most part. Like nobody was walking away or ignoring it. Like I, I'm sure some, ki- not every kid on the team was religious, but they would just kind of, they'd still take a knee, they'd still sit there, they'd be respectful. Um, but uh, it was just something you, you didn't really think about it, man. It was just something you did, you know. And uh, yeah, it was a big so, part of what we did. So tons of Supreme Court cases, you know, uh, and you you get to the free exercise clause clause in the First Amendment, the establishment clause of the First Amendment. There's a lot of constitutional uh, things at, at play in this case. And both sides, I uh, think they're right. Right. This guy's like, hey, this I'm not in my official duties after the game. It's just something I wanted to do. Um, so he's like, my, my free exercise of religion should be protected because I'm not in my official duties. The game's over. And, um, and he's, you know, and, and then the school's like, oh, you can't do this on, you, you are here on school grounds. You are in your official capacity. We can't establish, you know, we're a government institution. We can't establish a religion. So both sides think they're 100% right, citing, citing kind of the same amendment. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting case, you know. In, and, in and you know, it, looking at that argument, you know, there's it, it, taking out the argument of whether or not the, the coach should be allowed to, to do a, a voluntary prayer with the players who, who elect to do it w- with him. You know, the argument that the game is over, so you're not in your official capacity as a coach anymore doesn't, I mean, that doesn't really fly for me because, you know, the game, a game can be over, but, uh, you're still the coach, you know, and you're still, you're going to the locker room. You're still, uh, you have, especially if it's like an away game, you still have custody of the players. You're busting them back to the school. Um, so, you know, I don't know that the, the, that the argument that, well, the game is over. So I'm not in that, that capacity anymore really flies again. And that's, that's completely ignoring the issue of whether or not, you know, this should be something that's allowed to happen. So, and I guess this is, this is something he's done for a while. I, I don't remember how many years, but this is something that's been going on for a while. And, uh, you know, he'd go to the middle field after every game, take a knee, and then some of his players would come out. Some players from the other team would come out. So it just got bigger, bigger, bigger. And then some coach from another team complained to the administration. It was like, oh, we didn't know this was really happening, which I don't see how that's the case. But um, And then they, they told him to stop. And he's like, you know, I'm not going to stop. And he lost his job. And this happened eight years ago, right? So we're just getting to the Supreme Court. Um, he's been, you know, he hadn't had his job for a long time that's a long time too man eight years you know you you got to think the landscape has really changed in a lot of ways in that period of time as well but it brings up yeah it it does and it it brings up a lot of interesting questions like this prayer in school has been litigated for you know a hundred years you know what what can you do in school what can't you do in school and 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 depending on what side you fall on right people feel very strongly right if you think you know i don't want my I don't want my kid in public school praying or getting any, you know, kind of thought that one religion is preferred over the other. And then you got, you know, 
you know, Christian parents or, or whatever, like, Hey, my kids should be able to pray in school if they don't want to, your kids don't have to participate. And, and so you got these two sides that kind of butt heads and this stuff gets litigated all the time. Um, but it's interesting here because we have, and again, I think the fact this is, you know, fact specific, we really need to know what happened. Like you said, um, we're trying to determine what's part of your official duty as a, as a employee, a government employee, a school employee, and what can you do and can't do. And so that you can see the justices in the oral arguments, I kind of read the transcript and they're, they're peppering everybody with these fact patterns. Okay. Well, if we say this is wrong, what about this? You know, what if you, uh, during school text your spouse, you know, a, a little prayer or something, everybody's okay with that. And then they just keep elevating. Well, what if your spouse comes by school and you, you pray in certain spots. And so it's, it seems almost silly to a certain point, but when you have these constitutional rights, you know, butting up against each other, the facts are, are very important. And so we don't have any evidence that any kid felt left out or, you know, felt that the school was establishing a religion. So we don't have any, anything like that. It's just that the, it's just the sheer fact this happened. That's what, that's what triggered everything. Um, but it, it's, it's very interesting. If nothing else, it's interesting. It's, it is, it's very interesting. And like you said, that one of the most interesting aspects of it is the, is the idea that the facts are not, you know, fully agreed upon and settled at this point. You know, like you said, most of the time something gets to the Supreme court facts are, are ironclad, man, set in stone. There's no dispute. And, and it's just a question of law, but, uh, the fact that there's still some factual, some factual questions, uh, it, it's it's of interest, and you know I think it it makes it it almost makes it likely that you're going to see this kind of kick back for some some clarification on those facts prior to making a ruling on the law. Well, you know the Supreme Court justices couldn't even decide what kind of case this is. They're like, all right, is this a free speech case? If so, we apply this test. Is this is an establishment clause case? We apply this test. Is this an just an employment discrimination case? Because then we need to send it somewhere else, you know. So they were struggling to figure out what are we dealing with, you know what what is this? But I think that's what's going to happen. I think this one, the 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 attorneys were arguing very hard for the Supreme Court not to to send it back to the trial court level to to figure things out. Like, look, it's here. Let's you know, it's taking this long. Let's it's just been let's eight just years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's a, there's a good website out there. If you ever want to learn more about some of the things that we brought up, there's a Supreme Court of the United States blog. It's a SCOTUS blog, and they do a good job of following a lot of these, and that's where you can get a lot of oral arguments and kind of find out what's happening. A lot of times the news will just summarize, like, hey, this happened, and, and maybe this is what it means going forward. But I like to see how these things uh, kind of come, come together and, and seeing the justices in action, you know, seeing what questions they ask and what they're concerned with is, is always adds a little bit more to it, but then, man, they were all over the place. There's no, <laughs> there was no Supreme court unity on this one. They can't even, can't even decide what kind of case it is. So it'll be yeah, that's it'll, the thing, man. What, what tests do they apply? That's going to be, that's the real question. And, uh, I think with all this uncertainty, man, not even under, not even fully knowing what type of case this is, what standard is applied, how it's approached, I'm going to I'm going to neglect to make a, a prediction on this one. I, I think it's unsafe for our sterling 100 percent record to make a prediction. Right? Yeah, we can't we can't risk that too much. Too much at risk. 
The Outlaw Lawyers, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer. You can find them again at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm. They're the managing partners. They're also practicing attorneys here in the great state of North Carolina. Offices conveniently located Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, and Gastonia. If you have a legal situation, you've got questions, listen to this phone number, jot it down, and call at 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. Leave your contact information, briefly what the call is about. An attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be in touch. And you can always email your questions to this program. We'll answer it on future programs, questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. We're back right after this. Welcome back into The Outlaw Lawyers, hosted by Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, managing partners at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm, offices conveniently located Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, and Gastonia. They are practicing attorneys here in North Carolina. If you've got a legal question, again, we talk legalese each and every week. If you've got a legal question of your own, you can call this number 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186 and leave your contact information. Briefly what the call's about and an attorney will be in touch. You can also email your questions to the program, questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. We'll answer those on future programs. I'm Morgan Patrick, consumer advocate. We'll go back to the guys. What's next? Well, Morgan, we haven't sat down and talked since uh, the mask mandate. So uh, there was a, you know, I think everybody knows, like if you were getting on an airplane, you still had to wear a mask until about a week or so ago. Um, So the CDC still had a mask mandate basically for public uh, transportation. I think, I think at least around where we're at here in North Carolina, you know, uh, most of the schools have, have dropped their mask mandate, most of the counties and cities and, most of the private businesses, you know, that, you know, so we, I don't even carry my mask anymore. I never thought we'd get to this day. I used to always have a mask in my pocket. I don't, I don't have it anymore. I went to the doctor the other day and they still require one in, in the healthcare setting, which makes sense, I guess. Uh, but I had to borrow, I had to ask for one cause I didn't have one, but, but anyway, the air, the airplane mask mandate has been making a lot of people angry both ways. It always interests me to see a issue that makes, you know, both sides of the issue, like, just irate, you know, and certainly this is one, right? You know, the violence on airplanes and everything have, have spiked over, over this mask mandate. And, uh, this one seemed to survive everything else going away. So it was making people even more angry, right? This was like the last, the last mask mandate. And, uh, I saw a lot of people report on this, uh, and I didn't really understand how the case got started. So that's one of the things I went back and looked at Joe. I don't know if you've had a chance to look at that yet. Yeah, so, you know, what we have here, basically, we've got uh, the plaintiffs in this lawsuit are two women, uh, and we we will just, we'll not say their name, we'll just say they're two women, and they, along with the Health Freedom Defense Fund, which is a Wyoming nonprofit that's kind of challenged a lot of the COVID vaccine and mask mandates, they're the ones who brought this suit, and basically, they allege that the, the CDC mandate was arbitrary and capricious, since it gave exemptions to certain groups like children under two years, two years of age, but, but not other people. So they basically said that, again, it was arbitrary. Um, so you had uh, the U.S. District Court Judge Catherine Kimball Mazel, who's the judge for the Middle District of Florida, called the policy unlawful and ruled that the CDC had overstepped its legal authority by imposing the mandate uh, in February of, of 2021. So you, you had a lot of people who got super fired up 
uh, like you said, on both sides. And and this judge has now come out and basically said that the CDC essentially did not have the authority to do so and that it was an unlawful mandate. You know, so when you hear when you hear on the news that there's been a federal a federal judge struck down this or a federal judge did this, uh, one thing they never tell you is, is how it got started, right? So these are this was a nonprofit, and then uh, two women who who apparently had suffered damage because of this. The damage, I guess, being flying and being forced to wear a a mask, and and that's what got in front of a judge, right? Judges just don't arbitrarily review. Uh, the actions of the CDC. You need an aggrieved party. Uh, you need a plaintiff. You need a controversy. You need you need some damage. And so all these things have to be in place. And there's a lot of nonprofits out there who go around and try to find um, plaintiffs for 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 these actions. You know, anytime somebody tries, you know, gun law, uh, you know, is getting challenged. There's usually a nonprofit that's found someone, you know, who who technically has been affected. Uh, but bringing a federal lawsuit uh, takes money. That's not a that's not an inexpensive thing. So for me, it's always fascinating how something like this got got started. How did it get before this judge? And and you know, a lot of these nonprofits, we don't really. We're I'm going down a, a side road here, but forum shopping, right? They they find a forum, a state court or a federal court, where they they think that court may be favorable to their side. Um, and so here they ended up in Florida. Uh, and, and they, they won at least temporarily, you know, that was an injunction type, uh, matter. So right now mask are, mask are optional and the CDC, I, I think has appealed that. Um, so in a couple of weeks, there'll be another argument. Um, and we'll see if that, that stays the case, but for right now, and I've flown a couple of times during, during the pandemic, uh, one was like a five hour trip and that mask. Man, that's rough. I'm I'm already uncomfortable on a plane because I'm a I'm a bigger guy, and so I barely fit in the seat as it is. So I'm already uncomfortable, and uh, I don't even care about the science. You can tell me all day like you're safer with a mask, and I believe you. Uh, that makes that makes sense to me. But man, I don't want to wear it on a plane uh, for however many hours you're you're stuck on that plane and already uncomfortable. But that's just me. You know, I was I was actually with you on that flight you're referring to, Josh, and I was sitting right across the aisle, and I can I can confirm for the listeners you were very uncomfortable, man. I could see it, <laughs> I could see it, even with the mask on your face, I could, just your body language, I could see it, and uh, I could tell that you were having a bad time, you were not enjoying yourself whatsoever, and um, you know, we it, it's very like you said, you get it's amazing how quickly, at least for me, how quickly you get used to to some of these COVID based things that have happened, that kind of became a part of our everyday life and having the mask and the expectation that you need the mask anywhere you went and carrying that mask with you everywhere. And then how quickly like you, man, I don't have a mask anymore. I don't carry it with me. If I go somewhere that need that requires that I have to borrow and uh, you know, the, the shift to the mask and then away from the mask has been really, it's been really drastic, man. And it's, and it's, but we always longed for, that normalcy again you know anytime we talked about covid we would kind of speculate when will it will it ever be normal will we ever return to kind of a, a feeling of normalcy and i'd say we've gotten pretty dang close to it man yeah a uh, good question it's not a legal question but you know there will be you know covid will spike again and uh and and i guess it depends on the variant and how people are holding up to it but you know we're we are i, I do feel like i have the sniffles today and, uh, 
you know, I, I woke up and I wasn't terrified, you know, I was like, hey, maybe I just have a, maybe I just have some allergies or a little bit of a cold. So for, for the first time in a while, I was like, yeah, maybe I just got a cold and you know, I'll be, I'll be all right. But you know, I didn't, I, I don't feel the need to self isolate for 10 days and, and, and take a lot of rapid tests and, and all that good jazz. So maybe we are, uh, we are getting on down the road. You know, the, the CDC has, a has an argument that, Hey, we need to be able to do this for public safety. And this is within, I think we've talked about agencies before Joe, but the Congress, all this power rests with Congress and they set up these agencies and give them this broad declaration. All right, you're in charge of public safety and you can do this, this, and this. And, and so these, uh, I don't say this to be derogatory, but they're bureaucrats, right. in in the CDC, um, and so they, they wield the, these unelected people wield a lot of power that Congress has delegated to them. And so that's what the judge said is like, Hey, you guys have exceeded your congressional authority by, by doing this. And so their argument's going to be, we have not, this is in our you know purview of things that we can do and things the Congress has required us to do. And, and uh, we need to be able to do this because if it does spike again, we need to be able to know that we can institute this ban. So I don't know that the CDC exceeded their authority. I haven't seen the specific uh, legal arguments because they're not widely uh, available. But I, th- I don't know that they've done, you know, if they've exceeded their authority, they can't do a mask ban on public transportation. Seems like that's probably in their wheelhouse and they, they can do that. Uh, this is my thought. Yeah, but that's, you know, that's your thought. But then you, you look at what the judge says, and, and there, you know, clearly her her holding is that that mass requirement violates the procedures for that agency rulemaking. And that's kind of where this was, where this ended up being struck down. But, uh, you know, it's regardless, it's gone. The mask mandate is gone. And uh, there's, it will be interesting to see what it would take, you know, and, and, and God willing, we'll never have any kind of crazy spike or crazy new variant, but I'd be interested to see what it would take to get us back to that same level of restriction, because you're going to have so much more resistance from people. I feel like after the, you know, after everything that's happened and after all these things have been lifted, you know, it, it would almost, I almost feel like it would take some kind of something really drastic to push us back to that point. Well, I think too, we'll always have folks that wear a mask now, right? It doesn't matter if they're not required. And certainly if you feel like, you know, you need to wear a mask or you've got, you know, some other health issues or something by all means. Um, but I, I think it'll, you know, you, we'll, we'll have masks around for a long time, but yeah. Being well, and that's, and that was the, a lot of, that was the argument for a lot of the folks who oppose the mandate is that if you, no one's preventing anyone from wearing a mask, if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask, you know, wear six masks. But but don't tell everyone that they have to wear a mask. That was you know that was a, a p- the position that was pushed by a lot of these anti-mask folks. The outlaw lawyers Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer. You can find them at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm. Managing partners there, practicing attorneys here in North Carolina. Offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, and Gastonia. We're going to take a short break. We'll come back. We'll wrap up this week's program. Welcome back in to the Outlaw Lawyers. Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, managing partners, Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm. Offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, and Gastonia, and practicing attorneys here in the great state of North Carolina. If you've got a legal situation you're going through, take this number down, 800-659-1186. If you've got questions, call the number, 800-659-1186. Leave your contact information briefly, what the call's about, and an attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be in touch. And you can always email your questions to the program, questions at the Outlaw 
theoutlawlawyer.com, and we will answer those questions on a future program. And please check out the website, theoutlawlawyer.com. Guys, wrap it up for us. Joe, I have a a non-legal question that has been bugging me for like two weeks. I'm going to ask you the question. Is that all right? Yeah, I'm so I'm prepared. I'm fully prepared for your question. What do you think? What do you think the percentages of people in in our in our society who have a cell phone but who have either not set up their voicemail or their voicemail box is perpetually full? Seventy two percent. Right. I I think it's a very like everybody I've called back in the past two weeks. Now the, you know these people have called me. I'm returning their call. Um, no voicemail. Our voicemail box is full. What's what's the what's the professional uh, acceptable way to deal with that? Do you just say, "Hey, I've returned your call. Hopefully, you'll see you missed the call." Is that is that? What I don't know, man. You're, you're, see, you're a little older than me, and 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 I think that as as we age and as our kids get older, that voicemail is going to be a a thing of the past. It's going to be irrelevant because you're going to have. You're going to text someone. You're going to email someone. There'll be some other form of communication we don't even know about. Um, I'm not a big voicemail guy myself, man. I'm one of those people who do not have it set up or it stays full. And then I'll clear it out and then it'll get full again. I'll just never <laughs> listen to any of them. I might well, read my, the transcript if I get a transcript. That's, that's right. That's all you're getting from me. <laughs> but like in a professional setting, like someone has called an, an office, which is clearly not a – I guess some people's offices may be a cell phone, but our office is a, an office. So you got a phone system and – and so you've called them back. So it's not like you can assume it's a cell phone and you can just text them and be like, Hey, what's up? You called me, you know? So I, but I guess that's the new voicemail is, Hey, I called you and I guess you'll see it or you, you might not yeah, see that's it. it. I, I think our voicemail actually tells you like, email us. Like, why are you doing this? Email us. <laughs> you should just email us. The, uh, yeah. Well, it, it's something that's been puzzling me. I've been, I've been trying to, I've been thinking about that, like, cause that's happened so many times in a row. Um, that's one of the big questions that I'm grappling with <laughs> the biggest non-legal question I'm currently grappling with. I tell you, we get into all kinds of legal discussion here on the program, The Outlaw Liars. Josh Whitaker, Joe Hamer, managing partners at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm. We do it each and every week, and you can find them uh, at the offices, Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, and Gastonia. They are practicing attorneys here in North Carolina that are managing partners at the firm. If you've got your own legal question and you need an answer, we've got a phone number for you, 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. Leave your contact contact information, briefly what the call's about. An attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be in touch, and you can email your question, too, to the program. Questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. We'll answer it on a future episode. We're in the books for this week. We'll talk to you next week right here on the radio. hosted by an attorney licensed to practice law in North Carolina. Some of the guests appearing on the show may be licensed North Carolina attorneys. Discussion of this show is meant to be general in nature and in no way should the discussion be interpreted as legal advice. Legal advice can only be rendered once an attorney licensed in the state in which you live had the opportunity to discuss the facts of your case with you. The attorneys appearing on the show are speaking in generalities about the law in North Carolina and how these laws affect the average North Carolinian. If you have any questions about the content of this show, contact us directly.